Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. What are you waiting for? Come on in. This podcast may contain graphic content and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Murder, Mischief, and Moscato, Season 3. I'm Hannah Green. I'm Mary Sports. Every week this season, we're going to be bringing you a bonus episode featuring a recently solved case and an unsolved case from each U.S. state. So join us every Friday as we remember those taken too soon and help to spread the word for loved ones who still need answers. It may be possible that you might be able to help provide some critical information. Thank you for being here. Let's dive in. All right, so today, Arizona. Arizona. Arizona, here we come. On February 14th, 1982, a young girl's body was discovered by a public safety safety officer along I-40 at mile marker 151.8 in Williams, Arizona. They've actually been there, not far from the Grand Canyon at all. Okay. Like 30 minutes, maybe. Okay. Her body was found face down under a cedar tree, 25 feet off the roadway. She was dressed in a pair of size 8 Seasons brand jeans and nothing. Near her body was a white sweater with thin burgundy stripes, a bra, and a white handkerchief. No shoes or socks were ever found. The belt loops on the jeans were stretched and torn in a way that made authorities believe she may have been dragged from the roadway. By her belt? By her, by her belt loops. Okay. Police quickly released a sketch of the young girl's face, hoping to aid in her identification and to find leads as to what had happened to her, lead to her being left where she was. The autopsy was not able to give a lot more to the investigation. It was determined that she had likely been dead for 10 to 14 days. Decomp obscured the cause of death. The coroner believed it was likely due to suffocation or asphyxia for a few reasons. One... There was a lack of trauma to the body. Two, there was no evidence of manual or ligature strangulation because her hyoid bone was not broken and there wasn't anything else to indicate that she would have been strangled. Okay. And then the other thing that did come out of the autopsy, one of her molars had recently been prepared for a root canal and aspirin was found on the tooth itself. Witnesses did come forward with information to aid in the investigation. A college student from Arizona told the investigators that he had picked up a female hitchhiker on February 2nd. He believed that it was the girl in question. (coughs) She had told him that she was from Phoenix, where she lived with friends and worked as a dish. And she told him that she was trying to get to a truck stop where she could find a ride to the East Coast 
because of family. Another witness came forward. A woman who was part owner of the Monte Carlo truck stop near Ash Fork, Arizona, told authorities that at 3 a.m. on February 4th, so two days after the college student picked up the hitchhiker. Okay. Two days later. A young girl had come into the truck stop with a much older man while she was working, and she believed the older man was a truck driver. Concerned, she had spoken to the young girl and asked her if she felt safe and was she okay. The young girl said that she wanted to stay with the older man. The witness thought that it was possible, after the discussion, that maybe the two of them were related somehow. Okay. The older man had ordered food for breakfast, but the young girl had declined to eat because she had a toothache. The witness had crushed up an aspirin for the young girl to apply to her tooth. The two stayed for about an hour, and then they left. The witness was able to identify the clothing that was found with the young girl on the side of I-40 as the clothes that the young girl at the truck stop had been wearing. So, obviously, she was murdered very shortly after leaving the truck stop. Yes. Exactly. The witness described the truck driver as being in his 50s with a medium build, 5'8 to 5'10" wearing a two-toned checkered patterned leather vest and a black felt cowboy hat with a peacock feather in it. That's very distinct. Very distinct, very detailed clothing that is definitely not common. In 19, July of 1984, the body was identified as Melody Cutlip from Florida. Melody's mother disputed the identification of the body as her daughter. And two, two years later, it turned out that her mother was correct. When Melody returned home, very much alive, the young girl found an I-40, who had become known as Valentine Sally because she was found on Valentine's Day, remained unidentified. The authorities did not give up. Through the years, they employed any tool that came to them, including numerous efforts at forensic, forensic facial reconstruction. So each time there was a tool to make the facial reconstruction Something newer and better, better <clears throat> more detailed, more accurate, they utilized it. Good. Well, on February 22nd of 2021, the young girl was finally given her name back. Thank God. Thanks to genealogical DNA, she was identified as 17-year-old Carolyn Celeste Eaton from Missouri. In December of 1981, Carolyn had gotten into an argument with her family, walked out the door of her family home, and was never seen. To this day, Carolyn's killer remains at large. No suspects have been named by authorities. There has been speculation by some that perhaps Carolyn was the victim of serial killer Royal Russell Long, who was a truck driver and who may have driven I-40 during the time. Long has since died in prison, and he never confessed to having anything to do with Carolyn's murder, nor has he ever been named as a suspect in her murder by the police. This makes me wonder, though, if his family and friends have any photos of him with perhaps... Those articles of clothing that are so distinct. With the distinct and detailed clothing description of the older truck driver, someone out there has to recognize who it might be. If you believe that you know anything at all that would help the authorities close this case and give Carolyn's family the answers they need and deserve, please contact your local FBI agency, Crime Stoppers, or the Williams Police Department. Wow. Crazy that with the detail they have, that no one has come forward. And I say not really. Because how far did this news go with this? If he's a long haul truck driver, right? he could be from Alaska. He could be from New York. Well, he could be from Maine. He could be, I mean, anywhere. And 
our hope here at Murder, Mischief, and Moscato in sharing not just the cases that we celebrate because they've been solved, but in sharing these unsolved cases is that knowing we have listeners everywhere, maybe what we have to say will just get into the right ear. Yeah. It will trigger something for somebody somewhere yeah. that will lead them to be able to help the police. Yeah. To help that family have answers and to give these victims their voice back. Yeah. Let's bring some people to justice. Amen to that. All right. 22-year-old Susan Amy Morris was found dead in her apartment near Country Club Drive in Southern Avenue back in 1989. This is outside of Phoenix or in Phoenix, isn't it? Um, Mesa. 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 Yeah, the Phoenix area. Yeah. I used to drive country club all the time. On October 16th of 1989, her parents called the police and asked them to do a welfare check when she failed to show up for work, something that was extremely unusual for the young woman. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Susan lived in an apartment complex in Mesa, Arizona. Susan had actually been born in Mesa, Arizona on August 21st, 21st, 1967, to Willie and Tilly Morse. Willie and Tilly, that's so cute. It is. It's like Mary and Larry. I know. Susan had a sister, April, who passed away at the age of 11 in 1980. The police did their welfare check and found her dad in her bed with the covers pulled up around her neck as if she were still sleeping. I cannot even imagine. She'd been beaten, sexually assaulted, and strangled with an extension cord. <clears throat> They collected all the evidence they could find, which didn't really amount to much, and the case soon went cold. Susan's parents had now lost both of their children, which I, again, cannot even imagine. No. The next year, in November of 1990, there was another break-in in the same apartment complex. The 23-year-old woman in that case reported that a man crawled in through a window, and she woke to find the man holding a knife to her stomach. He told her that... He wasn't going to hurt her. He was just going to rape her. <clears throat> she was sexually assaulted. She survived. At that time, the attacker also stole some cash and a VCR from the home. The investigators recovered a print from the window screen and matched biological evidence from the survivor to the case of Susan Morse. Both assaults had been committed by the same man, and both cases went cold. When the cold cases were reopened, genetic genealogy was used to create a family tree, and it led investigators to 58-year-old Thomas Cox in Colorado Springs. The investigators matched his DNA using a cup, lid, and a straw from Thomas, and when they took his fingerprints, that matched as well. Thomas Cox's mother lived next to the apartment building where the crimes took place, and Thomas had been living with his mother at the time. So Thomas was extradited back to Arizona where he was charged with 16 counts, including charges of first-degree murder, sexual assault, kidnapping, and burglary, all of which are felonies. The surviving victim released the following statement. This is, this is a quote. I never thought this day would come. I thought my, my case was stored somewhere in a dark basement. I am very thankful for Detective Samuel and the Mesa Police Department for never giving up on these cases. To the family of Susan Morris, you have my deepest sympathy. I didn't know Susan, but my fight became her fight. My, came be my pain became her pain. My tears were her tears. Never give up on yourself, even though, even through all the darkness. My life changed that night, but I know that my nine-month-old son and I were meant to be here for a purpose, and that God protects us. 
Thomas Cox took a lot from me that night and throughout the years, but I learned how to stop letting him continuously take. I learned how to stop the pain by not giving in and giving it away to him any longer. I learned how to stop being a victim and start being a survivor. Wow. Both of Susan's parents passed away before her case was solved, leaving behind only an aunt and a cousin. And hopefully the entire family can rest a little easier now because another one bites the dust. Sometimes I am blown away <clears throat> by A, the stupidity, and and B, just it doesn't matter how old these cases are. There are people who don't give up on them. Yeah, some of the investigators that we have come across are simply just amazing people. Just amazing. And somehow <clears throat> they've managed to preserve evidence that they didn't know would be important down the road. Yeah. And it's still viable, and it's it's leading to stories where... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Every time a cold case gets solved, we celebrate a little. Yeah, we do. No, we All do. right. Have an amazing day, and thank you so much for being here with us. We look forward to joining you again next week. We love you. Bye. We sincerely thank each and every one of you who stopped by and spent a short portion of your day with us. We hope you enjoyed the story today. If you have any suggestions, ideas, comments, or corrections, you can find us on Facebook at Murder Mischief and Moscato, or at MischiefMoscato at gmail.com, or on Twitter at Murder Moscato. Please feel free to rate and review. This helps us to do a better job and helps others to find us. This podcast is edited and produced by Mary Swartz, and each of us does our own research and writes our own stories. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.